Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. Everybody, and welcome to another What's the Wi-Fi Password, our daily encouragement series. Oh man, it is Friday. It's the end of a week and I'm so looking forward to a weekend. I really am. I know this shelter in place kind of rolls all the days together, but I'm so enjoying my Saturday and Sundays. Um, I do miss this though, this uh, doing this podcast with these amazing people. And uh, who am I talking to today? Who am I, who am I Zooming with today? Hey everybody, it's Tate. I'm glad to be back with you after uh, unexpected break, but happy Friday, and I'm looking forward to the weekend as well. And hey, everyone, this is Andy here again, uh, excited for another podcast episode. And yeah, Friday uh, weekend, which is great. You know, I'm not used to having a weekend, kind of still not used to it, but having one is a really nice thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we are. This is actually episode 22 uh, of what's the Wi-Fi password, our daily encouragement. Um, And so this is actually day 31 of shelter in place. Can you guys believe a month has has gone by? Uh, And so we're actually joined with a couple other little voices uh, on our podcast today. Who are you guys? Hi, I am Eliana Shively. Who are you? And I am Joshua Seth Shively. Wow, he actually used his first name. He used his first name. <laughs> that was the best <laughs> moment. He, he, he throws it off every once in a while, and like some instructor or some coach will be like, oh, yeah, Joshua. And I'll be like, when, when does he ever do that? Like, like, we've called him Seth since he was born, but it's good stuff. So how are you guys doing during the shelter in place? Um, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I get to do some things that I usually don't get to do. Um, and I really miss my friends, Yeah. um, uh, like June Holdridge, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to June Holdridge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. It, it just, it just feels normal, basically. Yeah. And you, you guys are like doomsday preppers. You guys are already homeschooling, so this is like nothing, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you just got to deal with your dad being home all the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, we usually have a goofy question, right? Mm-hmm. And so what is your guys' uh, goofy question for Tate, Andy, and I today? Um, what was your first car? And what is, like, the story with your first car? Okay. All right. So our first car and our first experience. I don't think most teenagers would even – consider that because most kids don't get their license until they're like 18 nowadays but i don't know about you guys but i got it when i was 16 did you guys get your license when you were 16 yes i got mine on my birthday and funny story about my first car so i didn't get a car right away i had to drive my parents excursion which is just this huge 
vehicle. I had to take my test in that and parallel park and excursion in three moves. So anyone who tells me I'm a bad driver, I just don't even believe them because I drove an excursion like a bus for like a good year. <laughs> and so I got a lot of driving experience. I My siblings have really funny stories though of me hitting things because the car was so big, but it was like a big enough car that it only like made slight dents in the car and I'd always just like tell my dad I didn't know what happened so anyways yeah. my first car my parents actually got me for Christmas which was a huge shock they put the key at the bottom of my stocking and I had not caught on they were filming me and I thought it was kind of weird because that they were filming me opening up my stocking and then I saw a key and I just yelled like, shut up, shut up. And I go outside <laughs> and I look outside the window and there's a little Volkswagen Passat, silver, had some snow on the top of it. And I was just freaking out. I ran outside, got in the car. It was like a 2013, I don't know, 2011 or something. And this was only like 2012. So it wasn't very old, but they got it a really good deal. And anyways, I had the car for exactly one month before I drove Gunther. That was my car's name, Gunther, into <laughs> a ditch. I drove him into a ditch because it was snowing and I slid on some black ice. My car went into the ditch. I got scared. I hit the gas. It came out of the ditch into my neighbor's yard. I was only maybe like 100 yards from my house. And oh. I pulled my first car in one month. And so rest in peace, Gunther. It was a terrible, it's a terrible story. <laughs> but I loved that car and had so much fun for like a month. There you oh. go. Rest that in peace. Is, rest in peace, Gunther. That so <laughs> Man, that, that's a better story than mine. Um, I had a black 2005 Kia Amante. Um, it was literally a boat. Like, it was a four-door sedan, so it wasn't even, like, an SUV or anything. But it's bigger than my SUV that I drive now. Um, it got, like, three miles per gallon gas mileage. <laughs> it had, like, this metal lining around the windows that kept coming off, so I duct-taped it on. Uh, that looked really foolish. Um, and there were a lot of stories, like, the good thing is it was a decent car. It wasn't a terrible car. But it had enough that was bad about it that made it a good first car. Because, like, your first car is supposed to be kind of bad. Like, you're supposed to complain about it. You're supposed to, like, it's not supposed to be, like, oh, this is my 2016, like, Dodge Challenger. It's my first car. Like, if you're a student listening to this and your first car is a Dodge Challenger, like, sell that thing, give the money to the poor, and follow Jesus. But my first car, like, this Kia Monte, it had battery issues that were so bad. And there was like a week where the battery was dead. And eventually we finally got it fixed. Took it to like a shop and they got it running. They're like, yeah, just drive it around for like half an hour. So I drove it around for like an hour just to make sure. So it was good. And I was a freshman in college at the time. I got some of my friends from the dorm. I was like, hey, my car's back. It was one of the only guys of a car. So I was like, let's celebrate. I'll, I'll drive us all to In-N-Out tonight. It was the In-N-Out in Salinas. And we got there, had dinner got in the car to go home and it wouldn't start. The battery was not as fixed as they said it was. And we literally had to sit there and like, I was the only Christian in the car and I was like praying for the engine to work. And like, we did the, like the pump the brake thing and eventually it turned on, 
because the battery was so dead, it didn't have its power steering working. Like the lights wouldn't turn on for like 20 minutes. And it was a, a fun drive home. Uh, I brought my friends back to the dorm and then just drove straight to my parents' house because it was like, well, if this thing's not going to run, I at least want my parents' house where we can do something with it. Uh, turns out we just needed a new battery, but a first car should do something like that to you. Like you should have at least one experience of your car breaking down uh, and not being able to start. It's a good life experience. Oh, there you go. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a car has battery problems. It's either the battery is working or it's not. I mean, it's kind of it's, it's kind of foretelling there, Andy. Um, so my first car was an '87 Ford Ranger, uh, a little white, like four-cylinder, two-wheel drive truck. Um, my buds deemed it the random rattle, uh, and so I drove the heck out of that thing. Got married, sold it uh, to uh, a pastor uh, up in Northern California. And then 10 years later, he was moving and had to downsize and gave it back to me. So I actually drive the truck now as like a kind of semi-daily driver. It's still that little random rattle, four-cylinder truck, drives like a go-kart. Um, and it, uh, it has 600, over 600,000 miles on the engine. Um, and my son, Seth, Joshua Seth, apparently, uh, he actually wants it as his first car. So the goal is to kind of fix it up for him so that it could be his first truck. So that's, that's, uh, that's my first truck story. Um, yeah. So thanks guys for asking. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anything else to say before, before we kick you out? Um, no, not really. No. Any advice to the listeners? Um, no. If you're drawing something as you listen to this, maybe you shouldn't draw. No, uh, draw, draw, try to draw the Andes and Tate's and Dad's first cars. Oh, there you go. Like, yeah. try to draw those if you're drawing. Yeah. And if you're not, then draw them. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, there's the Shively kids saying hi. Um, and uh, if you didn't understand Seth, he said, if you're drawing something while you're listening to this, draw Andy, Tate, and Josh's first cars. Or what your, your impression of what those cars are. Um, so yeah, with that, Andy, do you got an encouraging word for us today? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'd love to read a couple verses out of the start of Acts chapter 28. If you're a middle schooler listening to this, you'll probably hear a bit of this in, uh, the Sunday teaching that I upload today on Friday. Um, but this is just a word that the Lord was encouraging me with this morning. I'm going to read the first six verses of again, Acts 28 says, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people on the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. So it's this neat little story at the beginning of the last chapter of Acts. Paul and his crew just... Uh, got in a shipwreck and washed up on this little island called Balta. 
They're there lighting a fire. Paul has a bundle of sticks, throws it on the fire, and there was a snake in that bundle of sticks that jumps out and bites him. It's a poisonous snake. So uh, by all of the people's reactions, it seems like he should get really sick and possibly even die from this snake bite. But the Lord miraculously works in Paul, heals him, makes it so that the snake bite essentially has no effect on him. And as the people watch, what I want to point out is they have two different reactions, one following another. When they see him bit by the snake, their first thought is, oh, this guy's a criminal. He's a murderer, and the gods, justice, or the fates, or whoever it is they thought, were trying to murder him and bring him justice with the shipwreck. But when he survived that, they now sent a snake to kill him. But then when Paul's okay, they're like, oh, he's not a murderer. He's a god. And it's like, what a huge jump, you know, to go from A to B. Like, he's either a murderer or a god. It's got to be one of those two. But the result of what we see is neither of them is true. Paul's just a guy. He's just a human being. The Lord provides for him here in protecting him, but he's just a person. And so the encouragement that I want to give to our listeners today uh, is something that's pretty common language that you'll hear like in the counseling world, uh, which is that I want to encourage you guys that you are not less than a human, nor are you more than a human being. You are a human being. Right, People often will struggle with leaning one of those ways, especially in times of tragedy, like with Paul's story here of a shipwreck and a snake bite, is we'll lean towards thinking we're less than human, meaning we're shameful, we are weak, we are worthless or not valued or cared for by anyone, not cared for by God, or we'll lean in the other direction. We'll think that we're more than human, and we'll put these impossible expectations upon ourselves and think, oh, we have to accomplish everything and and perform perfectly and have a plan for every situation. And the encouragement I want to give you all today is you are not less than human and you are not more than human. You, just like everybody else, are a human being who is loved by God and made in his image. And so you do not have to be bound by shame that says you're worthless, nor do you have to be bound by expectations that say you have to prove your value and you have to measure up beyond who you are. You're a human being loved by God and made in his image. What do you guys have, what are your thoughts as you hear that? I was wondering where you're going to go with that story. And I love the point that you pulled out. I actually had read um, a devotional today called beloved and along the same lines, um, part of it said like we are his beloved children and the truth makes all the difference today and that truth makes all the difference today if we let it sink in so we are cared for welcomed and protected we're not enemies not disappointments not could have been's not insignificant we aren't held at arm's length and doubtfully measured for worthlessness we are his beloved children cared for ransomed welcomed, protected, defended, discipled, and comforted by a father who goes before us. And you just have to preach that to yourself, um, that you're not an outcast. You're not, um, yeah. One thing that I always joke around with one of our leaders, Kylie, like one of the ways we encourage each other is by saying nobody cares because (laughs) uh, it's just like really obvious to us at times that like 
we think people care about us way more than they actually care about us. And we're way more concerned about what people care about than they actually care about us. And so like, just, you're not that important, but you are important to the Lord. <laughs> you, you're his beloved child. You are a human being. You're not anything less. You're not anything more like Andy was saying. So I think that is a great encouragement for today. And so it's something that even as an adult, people can struggle with forgetting all the time. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like being human. I like just being human. I mean, I feel most normal when I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do, which is just being a human, which is loving my wife and cherishing her, which is loving my kids and going on adventures with them. I mean, probably, probably ministry brings that greatest struggle within me of like, am I more than human? Has God put this like special call on my life to do great things? Am I going to save the world? You know, it's like, and I maybe that's just me. I mean, I, I could, I could own that, but uh, I definitely like, I, I enjoy just being a dude, just being human and just honoring my God with that life. So that's great, man. Thank you, Andy, for that. Um, so to end the podcast, we're going a little long today. Uh, we got one challenge for the weekend for you guys. Pastor Nate put out a challenge. So we want to encourage you to follow along with that uh, as Nate put it out. And so what is um, the challenge, Tate? Once you, guys, once you explain it and uh, finish off the podcast that way today. Yeah, he inspired this challenge. I thought it was a great idea. Um, so the challenge for this weekend is I want you to ask either your mom or dad or both. I want you to ask them their opinion on a life question or a serious topic. So this could be like, mom, dad, like, did you ever experience racism or know about racism? Or like, what are your opinions about it? Do you think it's still a thing today? Just like open up a conversation. And I want you to just listen. I don't want you to like argue or debate them or try to like have an opinion of your own going into it, but I really genuinely just want you to go into it just wanting to listen to their opinion about something that you've thought about or a question that you've had about life. Uh, you could also ask them something like, um, what was it like when, or like, how did you navigate dating? Or, um, did you ever have issue conflicts with your friends uh, growing up? Or like, how did you get a best friend? Or who is your best friend? And why are they your best friend? Just, uh, you could, I mean, the possibilities are endless. You can literally ask them anything. But um, that is your challenge for this weekend. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when my daughter asked us, asked me and Erica, if we waited to, to have sex before we were married. And like, she was serious. She was like dead. She wanted to know, you know? And so that was a great talk. And uh, I guarantee being a parent, your parents, they may not seem like they want to have those conversations with you, but they do. They do. And they may look busy and they may have a, a million other things on their mind, balancing the checkbook and their jobs and, and the future for you and their marriage and all these other things. But like, I guarantee you ask them a serious question like that. They're going to want to answer. Um, and they're going to want to talk to you on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't speak from the parent perspective, but I can speak from the young adult perspective who like in the last five years has finally learned how to ask my parents for their opinion and their advice. And just like how I encouraged you all today by saying that you're a human being, so are your parents, which I know is like the most unbelievable thing to consider in the world, but your parents are people and they were your age once they have felt a lot of the same feelings that you do. 
they've asked a lot of the same questions that you are asking. And so asking them for advice and asking them for their opinion is a really powerful thing that I would encourage you to try to do. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of the podcast for Friday. Um, hope you have a good weekend. Hope you enjoy just going outdoors and just enjoy life as it is right now. Um, all right, guys. Any last words? Nope. Love you guys. Praying for you. Wash your hands. Yeah. Wash Love you guys. Hands. Wash them if even no one else is in the bathroom. Bye, guys. Calvary Monterey's Youth Ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.